Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. You guys ready for the preaching of the word today? Let's grab our Bibles. Let's open up to the book of Ephesians. Continue in Christ, our example. We're going to be reading out of chapter 4, starting in verse 14. I'm going to be reading out the 1984 NIV version. Uh, I, uh, I have it on the screen up there, but I'm just going to be reading out of my Bible today. I'm not going to be looking back. So there may be some little discrepancies in the word, but this is what I grew up on, and I don't see myself deviating it from deviating from it anytime soon. So Ephesians chapter 4, it's a bit of a lengthy passage that we're going to be reading today. I say lengthy, it's not actually very long at all. Uh, It's just not typical to be reading 20 verses at the beginning of a message. So we're going to be reading out of chapter 4, verse 14. Paul's saying to the church at Ephesus, he says, Then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up. Say grow up. Into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you and insist on it. No longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with his hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building up others accordingly to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I'm excited to share this word. I don't know where we're going to be able to land today. I kind of have an idea uh, where we're going to be landing today. But there's a lot of great things that were just read to you today. I encourage you to follow that booklet that we gave you two weeks ago. If you didn't get a booklet, we're going through a series called Christ Our Example, and we gave you a a journal on reading through the book of Ephesians. We're on 
uh, week three. Next week will be our last week of Christ our example. If you don't have one, be sure to stop at the Connect Corner directly after service to pick one up because it's important to read the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your Word today. We pray that you would speak through your servant, God, that I would deliver the message that you have to deliver. Whether we have a working mic or not, God, we know that you will speak to your church. So I pray right now, God, that you would open our eyes to see you, open our ears to hear you. And right now, church, if you're hungry for the word of God, would you open up your hands and say these words after me? Say, Lord, Heavenly Father, maker of heaven and earth, speak to me. I'm listening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you put your hands together for the word of God this morning? I could, I could just be shouting. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'll, I'll, the second service might get robbed of because my vocal cords are going to be all shot, but that's fine. Hey, so if you're taking notes today, the title of this message is, We Will Grow to Become. We will grow to become. We will grow to become. I'm going to come right out of the gate. I'm excited to preach this today. Did you know that the limitation you embrace creates your reality? You got to be able to get over the echo there. We got the best sound guy in the entire city. So he's, he's working on it right now. That's absolutely true. Your limitation will become your reality. If you're taking notes, write that down today. My limitation will become my reality. A wise person once said, he who says he can and he who says he cannot is both correct. God tells us to put on the new self. Have you found yourself living in your old self, in your own environment, in your own type of mindset or your own way of living? So much so that you have actually limited God's transformation process inside of you? Do you tend to find yourself in verse 24? It says, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is Christ, our example. Put on the new self to be like Christ. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 4, 14. Keep your Bible open today. We're going to be reading out of that. All day, and I'm going to have them turn on the house lights just a little bit so that they can follow along uh, with us today. Ephesians 4, 14. He says, then you will no longer be infants. Then it speaks to a time to obtain stability. He says, then you will no longer be infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of CNN News and Fox News and and the Twitter, and the TikTokers. You will not be deceived by the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become. Say, we will. Come on, every single person in here, say, we will. We will grow to become. Can I tell you that it is God's providence and destiny for your life to grow, to become like Christ. Say that. We will. We will grow to become. We will grow to become. I'm growing. I can't stop growing. I got to keep growing. I got to grow to be like Christ. I'm going to get better man. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better preacher. God God willing, let me be a better preacher. I'm going to be a better servant. I'm going to be a better businessman. I'm going to be a better employee. I am going to be better to be like Christ. I'm going to be better. I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow to become 
like Christ. I got to get better. You've changed, Pastor. You're like, God, I hope so. I hope I've changed. I hope I'm not the same person you met two years ago. I hope I'm not the same person that we went to high school with. I hope that I'm different because every day I have a choice to make, a daily decision to grow, to become like Christ. We will grow. We will grow. That's what Paul's talking to the church. He says, don't stop growing. You got to grow to be like Christ. And as you continue in verse 15, he says, in every respect, you grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament. Groups. Get in a group. You have to crucify this idea of idolizing your individualization. You have got to. Well, it's just me and Jesus. That's not how I see it, my friend. It's you in the church with God who is the head. The body of Christ gathers together. The body of Christ challenges one another. The body of Christ sharpens one another. That's why it's important. That group is not a non-negotiable for you. I'm talking about a midweek gathering outside of a Sunday. Because you are sharpening one another. You are challenging one another. You are encouraging one another. You are strengthening one another. You are there in the thick of it with one another. That's the power of a corporate and group gathering together. This is good. The preaching of the word. The public worship. Powerful. Do not forsake the gathering. The public gathering. But don't forsake in the temple courts. Yes, and that from house to house. Because it is every supporting ligament coming together to be like Christ that is the head. You got to crucify that idolization of individualism. That needs to be maybe a sermon in itself. Crucify the idolization of individualism. Individualization. You got to crucify it. It's you in the church. It's you and your brother and sister in Christ coming together. It's you in the church. Yes, it's you and Jesus. Yes, I get that. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Timothy said he was a disciple of Paul. Hold on. Polycarp, a disciple of John. Irenaeus, a disciple of Peter. Of whom serves Jesus Christ. But somehow we got off. It's like, well, I follow Jesus. Yes, you do. But you are also under authority. God's established that in the church. Who is discipling you? Well, Jesus disciples me. God does it and disciplines people through the church. We read about that in Hebrews 12. That is God's modus operandi for you to grow, to become like Christ. That's not what I'm preaching about today, though. <laughs> he says, so I tell you this. And insist on it. It's almost like he's like imploring you. I insist on it in the Lord that you must say, you must say, I must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Say, I must say with some conviction, say, I must, I must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance. What is that? That's the mindset. The fault is in the mindset. The fault is in the thinking. How many rabbit trails have they gone down? The ignorance uh, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. It's a hardening of their hearts that has started because of a mindset. Have you ever gone around thinking of what people think about you? 
I can believe you. I've got the stain on my shirt, and I bet everyone can see the stain on my shirt. No, because you're thinking about the stain on your shirt. Now, y'all, you're looking at my shirt. Where's the stain on his shirt? I don't know. I probably got one. I got four kids, right? Kelly was cleaning the shirt the other day. She was like, how did you get this pink mark on your shirt? One of my kids put a marker on me. (laughs) How else do you want me to say it, right? Like, most people, can I tell you, are not thinking about you. They don't go to bed at night thinking about you. Most people are going around just thinking about what they're going to eat next, what they're going to watch next, what they're going to do next. But you are making it all about you. That's a very shallow world, and I'll find, you'll find that you're going to end up lonely because you think everyone's thinking bad things about you. And they're not, for the most part. There's some, maybe, but I'm not going to stay here because someone is thinking something about me that limits me from growing to become like Christ. And Jesus was more concerned about what his heavenly father thought. Jesus was more concerned about what God, his father, thought than the person next to him. Now, don't get me wrong. If a brother or sister in Christ is talking to you about something that you need to put off of the old self, by all means, listen to them, right? But if they're going around, as we talked about earlier, slandering, abusing, whatever that may be, right, just throw that aside. They're not thinking about you all the time. It's fine. Just move on. I don't know who that's for today. He says, through the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This hardening of their hearts is like the idea of a bone that is broken, that repairs itself, and sometimes it's stronger, but it's also calloused. It's a hard heart. It's one that is unable to receive. No matter how much one is willing to give love, it's unable to receive because it is hardened. It's the idea of like how we have been become broken in our lives and our past. Can I tell you, every type of brokenness, you have the choice to either become hard or to become soft and strengthened by it, but not hard and calloused by it. Every single relationship, well, all men are like that. No, you're getting a hard heart, right? You have the, you have the ability to have a hard heart towards things that have happened to you or a mature heart. You can have a hard heart. Well, man, every single person is like that. We can have hard hearts through broken relationships, through difficulties, through temptations that we cannot seem to overcome. I'm always going to be like this. I'm never going to change. And it can keep us from receiving what God has for us. But that is not where God wants you to stay. There's an old song by the, the old 1980s rock worship band called Petra. Anyone know who Petra is? Oh, wow, a lot, lot more than I thought it was. They, it, there's a song that, uh, that's, that goes like this. Don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your love grow cold. I'm not going to sing anymore because uh, I don't know if anyone will sing along with me, so I ain't going to do it anymore because I'm thinking about what everybody thinks about me if I'm singing it right now. <laughs> right? Can I tell you, you've got to guard your heart. He says the ignorance, the mindset has hardened their hearts. Your mindset and what you think about and what you think others think about you can harden your heart. Quit assuming. Quit assuming that you know what is going on in someone's heart. My wife and I, I was watching a documentary last night about that that horrible thing that happened with, with the Ocean Gate. And one of the engineers was talking about, he says, do not accredit to malice which can be accredited to stupidity. We don't know why all that happened, but many of us are going around and we're crediting malice to people, which might just be ignorance. And ignorance even by yourself. You don't know. 
But you've got to grow to become better. You have got to grow. You can't stay here. Verse 19 says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. I don't know about you, but every kind of impurity uh, makes me think that they knew every kind of impurity. But now I'm seeing more and more things. It's like we come up with a new sin every single day. Like even this day, in age, am I the only one in here that, that thinks like, man, okay, that's a new sin. I haven't heard about that one before. But it's indulging in every type of impurity. It says they've given themselves over to it. Can I tell you that giving yourself over to it is different than finding yourself getting caught up in it. Giving yourself over to it is different than being caught up in it. Why? Because we all have our proclivities to make mistakes. Why did I yell at her that way? Why did I get so aggressive that way? Because you're human. You got to repent. You got to have a, a, a repentful heart and say, I was wrong, babe. I've done that before. Where I've done something and I've, I've said something or I can't remember if I lost my, my tone or anything like that. And I said, I'm sorry I did that. And Kelly's just like, it's okay. But I understand. I'm like, and I'm sitting there looking at myself. I'm like, why did I do that? Right? There's a difference between stumbling in something and giving yourself over to it. Why did I do that? Versus, oh, I'm just always like that. Hmm. I'm just always like that. I'm just an angry person. Then be mad and sever every relationship that you've ever had because you're just an angry person. No, we're called to grow, to become like Christ. We don't settle, well, I'm just good enough, my brother. No, to become like Christ means to be transformed into his image, which means that you cannot settle. To be given over to it is different than stumbling into it. There is a difference. Because just because I struggle with something does not mean that I surrender to it. There's a difference. It'd be the difference between someone coming up on stage and, and maybe they're bigger than me, maybe not. I don't know. I get the gym pretty often, and I like to add a lot of bulk and muscle. And, and so if they were to come up here and try to pull me off of stage and maybe tie a rope around my leg and pull me off of stage, eventually they would get me off of the stage, especially if two or three people did that. Or they came up on stage and I just jumped on their back and they carried me off the stage. That's the difference between falling into it and giving yourself over to it. There is a difference. There is a difference. And this church has to be able to distinguish the difference between a person that is struggling against sin. Like Hebrews says, you haven't struggled against sin to the point of shedding your own blood. Struggling against sin versus calling sin good. There's a difference. There's a difference. As a church, we always got to have room for every single person. But a person that is a part of the body of Christ that calls evil good shall be given over to the world. That's how it is. That's how, the Paul, that's how Paul illustrates the churches to treat these types of things. Yes, the church is open for every single person that comes into this house. But we align our beliefs with this book, not with our opinion, not what culture normalizes, but what God the Father says. And if God the Father says something, and I believe something that doesn't line up with his word, God is not wrong. He's not. I have to align myself with the word of God. What the Bible says. And once I align myself, I do have a sinful nature every once in a while. I'm being made new like Christ on a daily basis. But some of y'all crucify yourself every single day for decisions that Christ has already been crucified for. That doesn't mean I continue to live in it. Grace is not the permission to sin, but the power to overcome sin in Jesus' name. Grace doesn't give you permission. 
Do not use grace as permission to step into that time and time again. No, it's the power to realize I am putting on the new self. I got to make a choice to put on the new self. I can't overcome that. I've done everything. I've really tried. Have you? Really? I can't move on from that. I'm just like this. Really? Are we going to settle with that? Is that as far as we are going to go? That this is just who I am. Really? Really, really? Like you've tried everything. Well, I'm not going to like get rid of my phone. That's ridiculous. Oh, I thought you've tried everything. Well, I'm not going to stop watching these movies. Oh, I thought you've tried everything. Right? Well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to stop dating her. Like, you know, I'm, I'm still going to like stay at her house, you know. But I thought you've tried everything. Right? Because you have to try everything. But what we do is we make excuses to justify our behavior. And as long as you justify your behavior with excuses, you will never confront the reality of what is really going on in your heart. And you've got to be able to have a selfie outlook, self-outlook in your heart and say, God, what is really going on in me? Because I want to become like Christ. How do I become like Christ? Take this today. You stop making excuses as to why you cannot. He says, put on the new self. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Verse 20, he, he was saying about all, all these different greeds and uh, different impurities of life. In verse 20, he says, that, however, praise God, is not the way of life you learned. That is not the way of life you learned. How do I get to that? From where I was to where I am going to be? Remember, he says, then you will no longer be tossed around by every wind of teaching and ways of do doctrine. You won't be tossed back. And then one day, once you get rid of that, then can come. Once you confront that, the way that you have learned to the way that you are learning, then you will become stable. Can I tell you, it's a journey that we all go on. Then equals maturity. Maturity. I'm no longer going to be driven by what I think, what I think about people, what I think people think about me. What I, I'm no longer going to be driven by what I want to do. That's maturity. When, we, that was back in verse 14. We go back to verse 20. When. When, he says, that is no longer how you lived, the life you learned. When, when you will become the transformation that Christ has called you to, only when you decide and you make a decision to grow up. Then, the idea of me being no longer like that comes when I make the decision to actually move beyond that. And I quit justifying my behaviors. There's so many different categories. He says, that is not what you have learned. That's not how you've learned. We could go into all the different things of, that people have done in the past, and I could talk about all these little pet sins and all these little things, which every once in a while I do, and I'll bring them up, and I'll talk about them. But I can't live in that because we're all different people, and we all have different types of ideas and proclivities of sin. What I'm called to do is to say, don't put up with that any longer. Let the Holy Spirit convict you and call you to be like Christ. Because there's a lot of different types of sins. But it's the main sin that we are facing isn't always the one that is seen. It's the one in the heart. Because I can do the church thing. I can read the Bible thing. I can do all of that. But Jesus said, 
It begins in the heart. It begins with what your eyes see. It begins in the heart. What good is it to clean the outside of the cup when the inside is dirty? It's the heart. So I'm not going to talk about, hey, brother, you know what? If you just stop doing this thing, you're going to be holy. But we don't ever deal with the heart. It's not going to work, my friend. I've seen too many people try to quit something, try to stop doing something, and they never confront the thing in the heart, which is abandonment. They never confront it, so they'll never find healing from it. If you start with the bad seed, you'll get a bad fruit. But if you take time to get to the root of a problem, to get to the root of an issue, that's where Christ, the great surgeon, can come in, and he can address that. You know that identity issue, why you keep wanting to sleep around with other guys because you want to try and find fulfillment within them? You want to find fulfillment within them, but you're never going to find it because I'm the only one that can truly satisfy? That was a wound that created a hardness of your heart, and now you're trying to fix it through something else. Man, I got to hurry up if the keys are already up. All right, so let's keep going. This is, the, this is the main point that you need to get today. We're making a pivot. This is, the, this is what I want to talk about. Pivot right here. Okay, faith comes by hearing. Who knows that? Let me see your hands. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing, yes. Faith comes by hearing, yes. But freedom comes by habit. Faith comes by hearing, yes. Freedom comes by habit. A few weeks ago, I said, your actions align you. What you do, not what you say, but what you actually do shows what Christ is doing in you. Can I tell you that it's possible to grow closer to God than you are right now? God has so much for you. The Holy Spirit has so much to reveal to you. I don't care how long you've been following Jesus whether it be for a few minutes, a few days, a few months, a few years, or a few decades. There is no limit on what God wants to reveal to you. So the only answer is, is if you've either discovered all there is about God, or you've stopped short. And I'm afraid most of us, we just learn to, well, I'm fine, and I'm good where I'm at. That sounds like an excuse to me of, why I stop reading the Bible, why I stop praying, why I stop seeking the Lord, and, and why I stop fasting is, well, I'm kind of good. Nothing bad's really happening, you know, but, like, I, I know a good amount about God, but God has so much more for you, my friend. Can I tell you that's why it's still possible for us to drag around all of our dysfunctions and sins to deal with them but which Christ has already set us free from them. Because freedom comes by habit. And I can tell you that until we become like Jesus, we're never called to settle. We're never called to settle. Because I want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus, and if there's something in your life that is holding you back, you cannot make an excuse for it, my friend, as to why you do what you do, as to why you think what you think. We want to be like Jesus. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. 
created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's the choice that we have every day between my humanity and his holiness. I'm human, but I cannot use my humanness to create hypocrisy in my life. I say I'm human, yes, to be like Christ is my goal. So there's a level of I'm not overly pride that says I have it all figured out, which a lot of us can fall into error. And we hide all of our little sins and we say, I've got it all figured out. Blessed art thou, holy brother. Like, No, I believe that God has a perfect life for you. Eventually on the next side of heaven, yes. But some of us are sinning in our sleep. And we got to be able to depend on the grace of God. We got to be able to be open to the brother that maybe isn't as quote unquote holy as you. What is that? That sounds a lot like pride to me. Well, you, you just need to stop doing this. Okay, so they're listening to you now. And their transformation process has begun. Not through you praying and encouraging them and strengthening them in the Lord. But because you just went and said, you got to stop doing that. Because a, a person that follows Jesus doesn't do that. I understand that, but that's the letter of the law. And you're following, well, you just need to be more holy. You need to be more like God. When I know how God saved me, and it's the goodness of God that drew me to his repentance. The fact that he continues to open up the door for me time and time again when I've fallen short, that helps increase my heart for my brother and my sister. And I never want to get too prideful to think, I've got it all figured out. I need to, everyone else needs to stop doing that stuff. Yeah, you're right. The world is doing a lot of different things right now, right? And so how are we going to be a light in the darkness? By just going around telling the darkness to stop being dark? It don't work like that. I love Christians involved in politics. Christians should be involved in politics. If you have a desire to be involved in politics, be a person in politics as a representative of Jesus Christ more than as a party. I'm not going to vote for a party. I'm not going to vote for a Republican. And this might be, this might be like contrary to some people. I'm not going to vote for a Democrat because they have an R or a D next to their name. I do not align with those parties. I align with one party, and it's the Lamb of God. And that is reflected through beliefs found in Scripture. I'm not going to devote myself to a political party. God's way bigger than that. The moment that I, I adopt myself to a political party is the moment that I lose who I am in Christ. I'm a Republican Christian. What is that? I'm a Christian. So I vote for certain things that reflect the heart of God. Not because I like this candidate or that candidate. Yeah, I'm supposed to vote for certain people that reflect the heart of God more. Well, I'm not supposed to pick the lesser of two evils. Lesser of two evils is still lesser of two evils. I don't know why I said that. I don't know who that's for today. That's not even where I'm talking about today. Maybe someone needed that, right? So we have to make a daily decision on who we're to be. Not for my humanity, but God's holiness. And I tell you that you can come to my city year in and year out, week after week. And if your life never changes, I want you to know that there is still a place for you here. Don't let the level t devil tell you otherwise. When I communicate and I'm shouting, I'm not mad, passionate. But I am mad to an extent. I'm mad not at a person. But I'm more so mad at the devastation that I see in people that I care about and that I love. 
because they have devoted themselves and they are loyal to lifestyles that are only leading them to death. That's what I'm mad at. God has so much more for you than to continue to do and devote yourselves. So God gives us strength to be like him. I'm not going to get down into the details to the behaviors because I want to get to the heart and the things that people don't see. So I wrote down here, why do we keep making excuses to not be who God has called us to be? Why do we keep saying this is as free I'm ever going to be? Why can't you have joy? Last I knew, joy was a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, it's just my personality, Pastor Eli. I took one of those tests, and, I, and, I, and I'm a melancholic. It's like, but you still have joy of the Spirit. And I don't care how many personality tests you've taken. The world is saying that you can't ever smile because you're like this, or you can never have the joy of the Lord because you're like this. The personality test is wrong. Because I know joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. How many excuses will you make as to why you cannot be like Christ? So he says right here, verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live like that. You must. Not you might, but you must. I ask you a question, how many mites will you drown in until you get a must? The Bible says a double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord. Hey, are you going to go to men's conference? I don't know. I might. You say yes or no, right? You have to get a must in your heart, a decision that you make. We go around and we dress up our failures and all these flesh-type things, and we make excuses as to why you can't be the person God has called you to be. Grace not only gives you the command to change, but it comes up inside of you and gives you the power to change. My father-in-law taught me this. He says, you know what he liked? Excuses are a lot like buttholes. Everyone's got one, and they all stink. What excuses have you partnered with as to why you can't be who God has called you to be? Why you can't be the father God has called you to be. Why you can't be the mother God has called you to be. Why you can't be the student God has called you to be. Why you can't be the leader God has called you to be. Let me ask you, now is the time. Say now. Now. Say now. Now is the time where you must get a must inside your spirit. I must no longer quit making excuses as to why you can't do what God has called you to do and I got this key question that I'm going to ask you and I'm going to have you stand to your feet are you more loyal to your limits than you are to your potential are you more loyal to your excuses and your limits as to why you can't than you are to your potential I'll have you stand to your feet Because what I found is that if we're more loyal to our limits, that's as high as we'll ever go. If you argue for your excuses, guess what? You get to keep them as to why you can't. Now, I understand the idea of stress and, and requirements of life. And it is relative because a 19-year-old teenager 
can be busy because they haven't learned what they're actually capable of quite yet. But what we do is we look, oh, you don't even know busy. A person with one kid can be busy because they're learning. A person with two kids can be busy because they're learning. It's important that you don't make an excuse for those things because you will always make excuses for them. My wife and I, we got four kids. Can I tell you, you're more capable of doing what God has called you to do than you think you are? You're so much more capable. Don't make an excuse for that behavior. Don't make an excuse. I'm just stressed out, and I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of my kids. So I'm going to sit out on the on the couch and be all grumpy after work. No, that doesn't. So you, that's as far as you're going to go. Or I'm going to sit in the driveway. I'm going to say, Lord, give me the strength to be the father you have called me to be. Lord, give me the strength to be the husband you have called me to be. I know this is what I feel right now, Lord, but I can't go off of feeling. I got to go off of faith. I got to go off of what you've imparted into my spirit. So God, help me to be like Jesus, to put off the old self, put on the new self. God, help me to be like Jesus. I can't keep making excuses. Because if you argue for your excuses, you get to keep them. I just got a temper. Okay, then be mad. I can't give money. Money's tight. Money will always be tight for your entire life. The Bible talks about those that are generous, the world goes larger and larger, but those that are stingy, it goes tighter and tighter, right? If money is tight, it will always be tight. It's a mindset. Money is why it's called a currency. It's because it's not to be held up. It's supposed to get into a current, and you put it to work, and you sow into things, and you sow into things, and you sow into things, and you sow into things. You don't just hold on to it and just start eating it while you can. you got to sow into it. It's mindset. Well, it's just always going to be tight. We just always fight. Then you will always fight. My kids are just going to be like that because, I don't know, they didn't have a dad growing up. Or they didn't have a mom growing up. Okay. That is a legitimate excuse. But excuses are a lot like, no. You can make that excuse. Or you can say, Heavenly Father, I need strength right now to be the person you have called me to be, God. God says you invent excuses that aren't even there. Quit inventing those excuses as to why you can't do what God has called you to do. I've heard people say, my dad, he had this employee one time. Nothing against this employee, but it was a stupid excuse. He couldn't come to work that day. And my dad called him up and says, hey, where are you at? Why aren't you coming to work? He says, oh, I can't come to work today. I can't find my other sock. That may sound ridiculous. But so do your excuses sound ridiculous to God as why you can't do what he's called you to do. He says, don't you understand? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So this is my last point. That if you defend your excuses, you get to keep them. But if you agree with God, you can outgrow them. We will grow to become. That's not a title. That's a prophetic declaration over our church right now. That we will become 
we will become like Christ. And my encouragement to you today, and we'll bring it down just a little bit here, Chris. I'm not, we're not going to build up. We're going to pray. You are called to become like Christ as the body of Christ. And you have to start somewhere. To become like Christ is to give your life over to Christ. And I can't help but think that there's people in here today that are saying, Pastor Eli, I want to know who Christ is. It starts with a simple prayer. It's a prayer I prayed long ago when I gave my life over to him. And I want to be able to lead you in that prayer. But I want to know who I'm praying with today. So I'm going to ask every head bowed right now at this moment. As a moment between you and God today. And you need to reflect in your heart today. If you're far away from God, you've never given your life over to him, today's your opportunity to come home. And under the sound of my voice, if you, can, if you agree with me and say, Pastor Eli, that's me. I want to give my life over to Jesus today. I want to pray with you. So I want you to lift up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. I see your hand back there. I see your hand back there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.